This is the Women's Protection and Empowerment Podcast, where we give space to talking about women and girls in humanitarian settings. I'm Christy Crabtree. In humanitarian settings, adolescent girls face unique risks, sexual violence, exploitation, and forced marriage. Their weakened social status due to age and gender often means their needs go unmet and risks worsen. So what can we do to impact the lives of girls before violence happens, to create a more positive, enabling environment and help recognize their potential? I'm here with Dr. Kate Falb, Research Advisor at IRC, and Helena Lepton, Program Coordinator for COMPASS, to talk more about this issue. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks. So there's a really unique opportunity working with adolescent girls. From your perspective, Kate, as a researcher, looking at impact, why should we focus on this population? Adolescent girls do face a number of risks in humanitarian settings, and some of our baseline research actually found that up to 50% of girls had already experienced some form of physical, sexual, or emotional violence. And these are really young girls between the ages of as young as 10 in DRC and 13 in Ethiopia that we were talking to. So I think it is really important to address these issues as they're such a young population and really help them to become safer and promote healthy transitions to adulthood. And Helena, one of the programs IRC is implementing for adolescent girls is COMPASS. Can you tell us about the program approach and a little bit about what COMPASS means? Sure, so to start with, COMPASS stands for Creating Opportunities Through Mentoring, Parental Involvement and Safe Spaces. And there's a number of different activities going on within the program. There are sort of three main clusters. The first is working with adolescent girls through a life skills curriculum. So girls meet in a safe space on a weekly basis and run through a series of content delivered by a young female mentor from their community. So the topics that they cover range from decision making, disagreement resolution, reproductive health, puberty, as well as around violence, gender norms that they face. At the same time, we're also working with service providers, so this could be case managers, health providers, education providers, and to support and build their capacity to better meet the needs of adolescent girls. And thirdly, we're working with girls' parents and caregivers and running a parallel curriculum with them, again, going through a series of topics, discussion points around parenting and the changes that are happening in girls' lives at this time. So much more holistic approach to working with adolescent girls than maybe what we've seen in the past. Kate, how do you see change occurring with adolescent girls through this programming? What's the theory behind our work with adolescent girls and how does it create change? Um, That's a great question. In terms of change, what we hypothesize or what we think would happen is that if we give girls skills and knowledge as well as improving their social networks, that eventually there would be reductions in violence for adolescent girls. So that's our overall theory, and that's what we measured in all of the survey. I don't know, Helena, if you have anything to add to that programmatic approach and theory. No, I think what you said was exactly right. It's our idea or theory was that it was the combination of the different levels of activities, both with the individual girl, her family, her community, that would ultimately work together to reduce violence. Because there's such a a broad group of actors that are involved in this, from the community down to the household level, how do we know if we're doing the right thing, if this program approach is effective? Well, I think what is really unique and exciting about COMPASS and the learning that we did is that we actually asked different research questions in each country. So, for example, in Ethiopia, we were looking at the overall impact of 
girls within this COMPASS programming on reductions in violence. But in DRC, we're able to take out the caregiver component and see is this actually a really effective piece of the COMPASS program. And then in Pakistan, we also learned a lot about the feasibility and acceptability. So I think the fact that it was done in multiple countries by a huge number of IRC staff implementing this program really offers us a unique learning opportunity to see it in different contexts and test out different parts of COMPASS more. And I'd just add to what Kate's saying, throughout the implementation of the programme, it was very much an iterative process, so we were learning from what was coming, the feedback we were receiving from the girls, from the mentors, from our staff, around which bits of the curriculum seemed to be working, which bits girls struggled with, and then adapted our implementation accordingly. So one example would be, um, in Ethiopia, we noticed that girls struggled a lot with uh, some of the more abstract concepts um, in the curriculum, so we introduced drawing and visualising techniques to help them through, uh, through that. So it sounds like you've already made some shift or adjustment in Ethiopia. Can you share any of the outcomes or impacts in Ethiopia? So in Ethiopia, again, we talked to girls aged 13 to 19 and looked at the overall impact of Compass. And essentially, I think the key takeaways are that we did see reductions in violence, but they weren't necessarily statistically significant. So what that means um, in non-research terms is that we can't actually say that COMPASS really changed these violence outcomes per se. However, we did see a lot of very positive impacts on these pathways to violence reduction. So if we're thinking about girls' um, social networks or the age at which they want to be married or have their first child, that increase. So I think we're seeing a lot of positive changes. And what about DRC? Is it similar or do the outcomes look different there? So I think the key thing in DRC is that we talked to caregivers and actually asked them about their relationships with their girls and what they thought. And what we saw from the caregiver piece was that at the end of Compass, they did have increased warmth and affection towards their girls, but a lot of other outcomes didn't change either. So I think we need to look at the caregiver piece a little bit more from what we learned in DRC. Um, but again, in within the girl outcomes for DRC, we did see reductions in violence, but it was across you know, all of the girls. So again, we can't say it was necessarily from the caregiver piece. Broadly, looking at the program implementation and evaluation, what are some things that we've learned so far? So from the programmatic perspective, I think one of the key things that uh, came out for me was the, the really strong uh, enthusiasm from the girls for this type of programming, that they really valued having a safe space to call their own, to meet with peers, to build the networks that Kate was talking about, and build relationships with a young mentor that's similar, similar and close to their age. So one of the things that I thought was really interesting, Helena, about Compass was the adaptations that each of the country programs did to actually implement it. So I was wondering if you could talk more about some of the different ideas and things that they did in Pakistan and Ethiopia. Yeah, I mean, that's a really great point. The, the curriculum that each of the countries used was developed at a global level, but then each of the countries went through a process of contextualising it to their particular environment. So some of the differences that we... Ethiopia, we saw that the girls spoke a huge variety of languages. I think there were over 20 within the three camps that we were working in. So one of the approaches the team took there was to record the sessions onto a tablet and then use that to deliver the curriculum itself. In Pakistan, 
we used uh, vocational skills training as an entry point uh, for the girls' curriculum so the girls could learn new skills as well as participating in the sessions. And in DRC, we noticed as we were implementing the programme that some of the content needed to be adjusted to take account of the girls' situation. So, for example, we saw that there were a lot of uh, young married girls, so the content was adapted and revised and then delivered to them to to provide them more information around the topics that they wanted to to learn about. Yeah, and I think in DRC they also did an emergency version of Compass, so they did a very condensed version. Yeah, so they conducted emergency missions in North Kivu, so adapted the curriculum just, I think, four, four or so sessions of really critical content that they could deliver very quickly. So based off all of our learning from Compass through the research and implementing the programme, we've taken all of that and integrated it into a new resource package called Girlshine, which will be launched very soon. There will be four different parts to the Girlshine package. The first is around designing a girl-centred programme. The second, the life skills curriculum that I've spoken about today. The third is a curriculum for working with parents and caregivers of, gir- of girls. And the fourth part is around training resources, so for working with mentors to deliver the programme, for example. Very much designing it in a way that teams can pick and choose the bits that are relevant and adapt to the situation, so depending on what their access is like and the populations they're working with. So it's like modules they can choose Exactly, from. yeah. Right. And the idea is to build off the work, so in the countries that work with Compass or with Girl in Power, which is another adolescent girl programming, not to take all of that work away in terms of contextualising the curriculum, but just to give them additional pieces that they can, they can work with. So this is your Compass briefing, but you can read the full reports that are available now online at gbvresponders.org. And now, if I can tie this all together. Where there's a demand, we've found a way. It has unique, but in some ways expected complexity to it. Girls at different ages in different environments need a diversity of approaches. And the household and structural barriers have to be addressed as well to help build an environment that is truly enabling instead of risk-inducing. So thanks for joining us both. Thank you. Thank you. And thanks for listening. Safety, voice, respect. Join the WPE movement.